Hello everyone, welcome back to Gone Girl Audiobook written by Gillian Flynn and I'm your narrator Srija. Amy Elliott, September 18, 2005, Diary Entry Well, 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 guess who's back? Nick Dunn. Brooklyn party boy, sugar cloud kisser, disappearing act, 8 months, 2 weeks, couple of days, no word. And then he resurfaces like it was all part of the plan. Turns out, he lost my phone number. His cell was out of juice, so he'd written it in a sticky. Then he tucked that sticky into his jeans pocket and put that chain in the washer. And it turned that sticky into a piece of cyclone-shaped pulp. He tried to unravel it, but could only see a 3 and 8, he said. And then work clobbered him and suddenly it was March and too embarrassingly late to try find me, he said. Of course I was angry. I had been angry, but I'm not now. Let me set the scene. Today, gusty September winds. I'm walking along 7th Avenue, making a lunchtime contemplation of the sidewalk bodega bins. Endless plastic containers of cantaloupe and honeydew and melon perched on ice like the day's catch. I could feel a man bernacling himself to my side as I sailed along. And a corner eyed the intruder and realized who it was. It was him. The boy in I met a boy. I didn't break my stride, just turned to him and said, A. Do I know you? B. Oh, wow, I am happy to see you. Or C. Go fuck yourself. Or D. <sighs> well, you certainly take your time about it, don't you, Nick? Answer is D. And now we are together. Like, together, together. It was that easy. It's interesting the timing. Propitious, if you will. And I will. Just last night was my parents' book party. Amazing Amy and the big day. Yup, Rand and Mirabeth couldn't resist. They have given their daughter's namesake what they can't give their daughter, a husband. Yes, for book 20. Amazing Amy, he's getting married. We, no one cares. No one wanted Amazing Amy to grow up, least of all me. Leave her in knee socks and hair ribbons and let me grow up. Unencumbered, I'm a literary alter ego, my paper bound better half. The me I was supposed to be. But Amy is the Elliot bread and butter. And she served as well. So I suppose I can't begrudge her a perfect match. She's marrying good old Abel Andy, of course. They'll be just like my parents be happy. Still, it was unsettling. The incredibly small order the publisher put in. A new Amazing Amy used to get a first print of 100,000 copies back in the 80s. Now 10,000. The book launch parties was accordingly unfabulous. Off tone. How do you throw a party for a fictional character who started life as a precautious moppet of sex and is now a 36 old bright to be who still speaks like a child sheesh thought amy my dear fiance sure was a gross monster 
when he doesn't get his way that is an actual quote the whole book made me want to punch myself right in the stupid spotless vagina the book is a nostalgia item intended to be purchased by women who grew up with amazing aim but i'm not sure who will actually want to read it i read it of course i gave the book my blessing multiple times rand and mary beth feared that i might take amy's marriage as some jab at my perpetually single state i for one don't think women should marry before 35 said my mom who married my dad at 23 My parents have always worried that I'd take Amy too personally. They always tell me not to read too much into her. And yet I can't fail to notice that whenever I screw something up, Amy does it right. When I finally quit violin at age 12, Amy was revealed as a prodigy in the next book. The only way to get better is the hard work. Sheesh, violin can be hard work. When I blew up the junior tennis championship at age 16 to do a beach weekend with friends, Amy recommitted to the game. She's, I know it's fun to spend time with friends, but I'd be letting myself burn everyone else down if I didn't show up for the tournament. This used to drive me mad, but after I went off to Harvard, Amy correctly chose my parents' alma mater. I decided it was all too ridiculous to think about that my parents, two child psychologists, chose this particular public form of passive aggressiveness towards their child is not just fucked up but also stupid and weird and kind of hilarious, so be it. The book party was as schizophrenic as the book. At Blue Night of Union Square, one of those shadowy salons with wing back chairs and art deco mirrors that are supposed to make you feel like a bright young thing gin martinis bubbling on trays lofted by waiters with rictus smiles greedy journalists with knowing smirks and hollow legs getting the free bus before they go somewhere better appearance eclate the room in hand and hand Their love story is always part of the amazing Amy story. Husband and wife in mutual creative labor for quite a century. Soulmates. They really call themselves that which makes sense because I guess they are. I can watch for it having studied them little lonely only child for many years. They have no harsh edges with each other. No spiny conflicts. They write through life like conjoined jellyfish. expanding and contracting instinctively filling each other's spaces liquidly making it look easy the soulmate thing people say children from broken homes have it hard but the children of charmed marriages have their own particular challenges naturally i have to sit on some velvety banquet in the corner of the room out of the noise So I can give a few interviews to a sad handful of kid interns who have gotten stuck with the grab a coat assignment from their editors. How does it feel to see Amy finally married to Andy? Because you're not married, right? Question asked by 
a sheepish bug-eyed kid balancing a notebook on top of his messenger bag or b an overdressed sleek-haired young thing with fuck me stilettos c an eager tattooed rockabilly girl who seemed way more interested in amy than one would guess a tattooed rockabilly girl would be or d all of the above answer is d oh i'm thrilled for amy and andy i wish them the best haha <laughs> may answers to all the other questions in no particular order some parts of amy are inspired by me and some are just fiction i'm happily singing right now no apple and in my life no i don't think amy oversimplifies the male female dynamic no i wouldn't say amy stated i think the series is a classic Yes, I am single. No able Andy in my life right now. Why is Amy amazing and Amy Andy is just able? Well, don't you know a lot of powerful fabulous women who settle for regular guys? Average Joes or able Andys? No, just kidding. Don't write that. Yes, I am single. Yes, my parents are definitely soulmates. Yes, I'd love that for myself one day. Yes, I am single, motherfucker. Same questions over and over and me trying to pretend they are thought provoking and them trying to pretend they are thought provoking. Thank God for the open bar. Then no one else want to talk to me that fast and the pr girl pretends it's a good thing now you can get back to your party i wriggle back into the small crowd where my parents are in full hissing mood their faces flushed rand with his toothy prehistoric monster fish smile marbat with a chickeny cheerful head bobs their hands intertwine making each other laugh enjoying each other thrilled with each other and i think i'm so fucking lonely i go home and cry for a while and i i am almost 32 that's not old especially not in new york but fact is it's been years since i've even really liked someone so how likely is it i'll meet someone i love much less someone i love enough to marry I'm tired of not knowing who I'll be with or if I'll be with anyone. I have many friends who are married. Not many who are happily married, but many married friends. The happy ones are like my parents. They are baffled by my singleness. A smart, pretty, nice girl like me, a girl with so many interests and enthusiasms, a cool job a loving family and let's say it money they knit their eyebrows and pretend to think of men they can set me up with but we all know there's no one left no one good left and i know that they secretly think there's something wrong with me something hidden away that makes me unsatisfiable unsatisfying the one who are not soulmated 
the one who have settled and are even more dismissive of my singleness it's not that hard to find someone to marry they say no relationship is perfect they say they who make do with dutiful sex and gassy bedtime rituals who settle for tv as a conversation who believe that husbandly capitulation yes honey okay honey is the same as concord he's doing what you tell him to do because he doesn't care to argue i think your pretty demands simply make him feel superior or resentful and someday he will fuck his pretty young coworker who us nothing of him and you actually actually be shocked give me a man with a little fight in him a man who calls me on my bullshit but who also kind of likes my bullshit and yet don't land me in one of those relationships where we are always pecking at each other disguising insults as jokes rolling our eyes and playfully scrapping in front of our friends hoping to lure them to our side of an argument then they could not care less about those awfully awful if only relationships this marriage would be great if only and you sense the if only list is a lot longer than either of them realizes so i know i'm right not to settle but it doesn't make me feel better as my friends pair off and i stay home on friday night with a bottle of wine and make myself an extravagant meal and tell myself this is perfect and as if i'm the one dating me as i go to endless rounds of parties and bar nights perfume sprayed hopeful rotating myself around the room like some dubious dessert i go on dates with men who are nice get looking smart perfect on paper men who make me feel like i'm in a foreign land trying to explain myself trying to make myself known because isn't that the point of every relationship to be known by someone else to be understood he gets me she gets me isn't that the simple magic phrase so you suffer through the night with the perfect on paper man stutter of jokes misunderstood the witty remarks lobbed and missed or maybe he understands that you've made a witty remark but unsure of what to do with it he holds it in his hand like some bit of conversational flame he will wipe away later you spend another hour trying to find each other to recognize each other and you drink a little too much and try to a little too hard and you go home to a cold bed and think that it was fine and your life is a long line of fine and then you run into nickton on 7th avenue as you're buying diced cantaloupe and pearl you are known you are recognized the both of you you both find exact same thing worth remembering just one olive though you have the same rhythm click you just know each other 
all of a sudden you see reading in bed and waffles on sunday and laughing at nothing and his mouth on yours and it's so far beyond fine that no you can never go back to fine that fast you think oh here is the rest of my life it's finally arrived <laughs>